morning. Today, um, this is my, one of my favorite Sundays because it's Baptism Sunday. So I'm going to give you a little uh, talk about baptism. I know Kelly did a great job a couple of months ago, so I'm going to try not to cover the things that he covered. But baptism is really, really a big deal. As a matter of fact, there are some denominations that that's kind of what they're about is they're called Baptist. And so, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a really, really, really big deal. And so I think, you know, classic God, um, one of the main points that I wanted to start with was, was how significant water is. Water is just such a significant thing. It's mentioned 722 times in the Bible. So I'm going to cover each and every one of them. So <laughs> I'm hoping you don't have anything else going on today. <laughs> right? Anybody? I don't go to church all day. Actually, there was a church in my, in my hometown, and they literally went to church all day. It was from like, I think, 9 o'clock in the morning until like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So you guys have it easy. <laughs> um, so the significance of water. So this is, I started thinking about this this week. And then, in classic God style, he began to show me the significance of water in a different way because my ceiling started to leak water <laughs> from an unknown source. So I'm beginning to understand the mystery of water as it leaks through my light fixture, my favorite light fixture in my ceiling. So I, I'm hoping that when I go home, my house is still intact. But it was, I just thought, Lord, really? Does this have to be the object lesson? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, water is a really metaphorical thing, obviously, um, in the Bible. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to plow through a bunch of, of the meanings pretty rapidly but I want you to start to see this pattern of how many times and how many various ways water is mentioned in the Bible. For example, starting way in the beginning, Genesis 1, it's the original substance. It says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep, what? Deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we, we start out with that. Uh, water symbolizes the troubles of life, which I'm learning firsthand <laughs> this weekend. Um, Psalm 32, 6 says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Um, the Egyptians, remember when the Israelites were escaping Egypt and the Egyptians were behind them? And what happened? The waters parted, and they walked through on dry land. And then what happened to the Egyptians? <clears throat> yes. So, again, water is very symbolic. Sometimes water is our protection from our enemies. Um, in Psalm 124.4, it says, The flood would have engulf engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away except for the delivering power of the Lord. So you can see, I mean, how many of you have ever seen the ocean firsthand? How many of you have ever been knocked over by a wave? Isn't that just, I'm so fascinated by that whole thing. There was one time we were, um, we were in Santa Cruz on vacation years ago, and we decided we were going to try um, boogie boarding. 
And so I was swimming out there, you know, had the wetsuit on and swimming out there with the boogie board and kind of started to, to prepare. And all of a sudden, I looked up on shore and my husband and my kids are all like, And I'm like, and I turned around and looked, and literally, it was the most enormous wave I have ever seen up close. I mean, I've seen them crashing, but, and it came down on my back. Like, I was like, well, I mean, I think my back went like that, a way it's not supposed to go, (laughs) unless you're at the chiropractor or something, but it was so painful. I literally thought that something was broken. I mean, something so powerful as a wave like that, that can sweep over you. And that's what the Bible compares the troubles of life to, is that kind of thing that just sweeps us under. But aren't you so grateful for the promise in Isaiah? It says that the waters will wash over you, but you will not be overtaken. You will not drown. You might break your back, but you will not drown. <laughs> that's, a, that's how it felt. Um, water is also compared to our enemies, Psalm eighteen sixteen. It says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. It, the Water is um, compared to God's word, Isaiah 55. It says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. I'm just sensing right now, uh, there are some of you who really need to hear this promise right now. You have kids, maybe, that are away from the Lord. Or you've been praying and crying out and asking God for something for, literally for years. And I just want to just encourage you with this promise His word will not return unto him void. It will accomplish the purposes for which he sent it. And this is why I advocate, when you pray, pray God's word. You know, don't don't lean on your own understanding like the Bible says. Pray God's word because that is what is going to return a yield. Because you can't pray wrong when you're praying God's word because his word is perfect. You might, you might misapply it. I, I do need to tell you that because we actually used to have a whole list of hilarious scriptures that we would give to people that we would pull out of context and use. Like, for example, there's one in um, Isaiah 40, and it's, um, you are less than nothing. All your works are utterly worthless. And, you know, you'd say, oh, I have a word for you from the Bible. And just as a joke, it's just a joke. I'm not, I'm not being irreverent. I'm, I want to tell you, I love, 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 love God's word, and it means everything to me. But I also think God, he gets it. He, I think he has a sense of humor, don't you? I mean, think about some of the stuff that God does and some of the stuff that he says and some of the things he's created. I mean, look at grasshoppers. I think God was just having a kick out of, you know, just 
let's make this one with the legs are going to bend backward. And it's like, <laughs> oh, incidentally, I'm sorry, I'm totally random right now. There is somebody posted, I think it was Adam Wyatt, posted this thing on Facebook. And they took the sound of crickets. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They took the sound of crickets and slowed it down. It sounded like a heavenly choir. It was so beautiful. I wish I had the, the link right here. It was so beautiful and angelic. And so consequently, when I went out to my wood pile the other day, I was going to build it, make a little fire for the fire pit, and I saw this grasshopper. Normally, I would have just kind of, you know, shoot it out of the way, but I was like, dude, you're talented. <laughs> and so I just kind of, I let him go. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even disturb him. But if you ever get a chance to hear that, go on, maybe Google, I don't know, slow down cricket sounds or something. I don't know. Google will figure it out for you. Um, anyway, that was a random thought, and I'm back on the message now. So water, <laughs> God's presence, Hosea 6, 3 says, Let us acknowledge the Lord and press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. Again, I think there are those of you, you need to hear this today. You know, there's a scripture in uh, Psalms 13, and it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts night and day? How long will I be in distress? But here, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear in whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation. It says he will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Don't you love going somewhere where it's just so green? Like I, I, love, I love these mountains, and I love looking at these mountains after the, the spring rains when the, all the snow starts to melt and they just become so lush and green and beautiful. My parents have a home back in Minnesota on a lake, and it's it, literally the humidity is so thick that you're just like, rain already, <laughs> just let it out. I mean, it is so humid there, but it consequently... It is so beautiful. Everything is so, so green. And that's what the word of God is compared to, the spring rains that water the earth and and create this lush beauty and life. Water uh, represents God's justice. Amos 5.24, it says, Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. It says, I will, in Ezekiel 36, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your, all your impurities and from all your idols. And in Hebrews 10, in the New Testament, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I've talked to you guys before about um, when I was in Israel and, and the significance of cleansing and of the bath. And they do, and not just like a, you know, your normal bubble bath where you put your laptop up and you watch Netflix. It's not like that. It's like a, a bath where you, I mean, they'll have like, like one stream where the clean water goes and then another stream where the the impure water goes. And I mean, there's all kinds of rituals. We did one called a mikvah which is a ceremonial cleansing. And you, you, um, 
you douse all the different parts, your eyes and your head and your ears, and, and you cleanse yourself. And, it, you know, I mean, obviously it was symbolic, but it was so amazing to me how many different forms of cleansing. And one time we were walking along the street in Israel, and um, we went into this little restaurant to just to get some water. And I walked in and we started talking to the cute owner of the place. He was just a really sweet guy. And I went to shake his hand and he pulled away like that. And then I realized that I was considered unclean because I'm not Jewish. And so I would have defiled him by shaking his hand. And so he would have had to go and do this ceremonial cleansing. And they have all, they have like different sinks and they have all kinds of different things for these cleansings. And that's why, you know, in the Old Testament specifically, it talks about that. But here in Hebrews 10, it's saying that we can be cleansed with the water. Jesus calls himself the living water and we can be cleansed from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. Our words are compared to water. It says the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Our purposes, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. And then it even compares adultery. It says stolen water tastes sweet. This is in, in uh, the context of talking about the adulterous woman. The waters of birth. It says in John 3, Jesus declared, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Water represents miracles. The first miracle that Jesus did was what? Who knows? He turned water into wine. Some of you have been praying for that, and, and, and God is not going to answer that for you <laughs> specifically. <laughs> Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, and he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted that the water had been turned into wine. I mean, how many times do we read this and kind of go, oh, yeah, Jesus turned water into You're like, What? He turned water into wine. There's so much symbolism in here, spiritual significance. I can't get into it now, but maybe someday. I think maybe someday we should do another whole teaching just on water. Water is cleansing. Ephesians 5.26, it talks about husbands and wives, and it says, you make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Jesus calls himself the living water, and he talks about the streams of living water for those who are filled with the Spirit. It says that, that, that the streams of living water will flow from us. And at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, it says in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. So you know, you know that feeling when you're really thirsty? That horrible feeling? Don't you hate that when that happens in the middle of the night? And you're like, oh, now I have to get up and go get water. But that water is so significant. It is, it is a source of life. And Jesus calls himself the living water. You know, it's not just... 
the physical water. He is the living water. And he says that when we drink of him, we will not thirst again. So why be baptized? So God uses this significant substance. He uses water to be the symbol of baptism, which you know what baptism means, right? You heard it from Kelly, baptismo. It means to be dunked or dipped or immersed. And baptism is a symbolic of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So basically, what happened to Jesus, if you don't know what the gospel is, Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for the sins of all humankind for all of time. He paid the price, and he went to the cross, and he died. And he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again and lives eternally. So baptism, as you can see, is symbolic of the same thing. You are dunked under the water. I mean, there's a lot of controversy, sprinkling, dunking, whatever. I think the Bible is pretty clear. It makes a case about being completely immersed because you're, you're going into the, the symbolic grave that the old dies in that water. The old, not the physical, the old person dies and that person comes out and that is the new person and that symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that so awesome that that's the, what God uses? He uses water to do that. It's not just a ritual. I, I really believe that we have started to take it so lightly, like, ah, it's not a big deal, because it's not an issue of salvation. In other words, the thief on the cross, he, I believe he came to know Jesus when he said, you know, he, he said he believed, and so Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't have a chance to baptize him unless he had really good spitting aim. And even so, then he's not immersed. So, but don't you think that, that God knows our circumstances and he knows the situations? It's not a ritual, but it is still so significant. Baptism is so significant. And I'm going to try to make a case for that and show you. If you are a Christian and you have not been baptized... We're going to offer an opportunity for you, even at the end of the service today, where I'm going to have Eric Nelson stand back there, and we have a towel for you. We have a change of clothing if you need it. It might be too big, but we have, if, if you have not been baptized and the Holy Spirit starts to work in your heart, we want to give you that opportunity. We've already got the water heated up here. So we, we did buy a heater for those of you who have not gotten baptized because you're afraid it's going to be too cold. First world problems. So 1 Peter 3, it says, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 6, it says, or don't we know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new 
life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And that's why baptism is so cool. It's so symbolic and so significant and so spiritually profound is because it's saying the old is dying and the new is being resurrected. I love that. I love that. Baptism, I heard uh, somebody talk about baptism. It's kind of comparable to, to when a couple gets married. So they give you the ring. They say, with this ring, I thee wed. So, I mean, the ring doesn't, doesn't really mean that they're now married. It's a symbol of it. And in the same way, when we're baptized, it's a symbol of something that God has done in us to cause us to be resurrected through him by his spirit. Resurrected, obviously, in a spiritual sense, not physically. Um, it's symbolic, it's critical, and it's very spiritual in nature. It says in Colossians 2, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. So what does that mean? You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. It means the old has passed away. The old sin nature. Not that we don't still have that to contend with, but that is not now what drives us. That is not the thing that is most uh, in control of our lives. That when we die to self and we die to our own agenda and we die to our own issues and all of that and we surrender and we find ourselves in Christ and we allow ourselves to be buried with Christ that he resurrects us and gives us that new life it says and you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave some of our sins right Who's staying awake? (laughs) How many sins? Really? Think of the worst possible thing that you've done. Jesus died for that. Jesus went to the cross for that. You know, I hear a lot of different things in counseling and walking with people through difficult issues, and there's always the one thing that people struggle so much to believe that God could forgive them for. There's always that one thing that's like, oh, that's just too bad. It's too dark. Believe it. This is a thing you need to accept by faith. Jesus Christ died for how many of our sins? All. All. Our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is the gospel. If you don't know how to share the gospel with your neighbors or your coworkers or your family, this is the gospel. Jesus took away all our sins and nailed them to the cross so they can't ever come back down and haunt us. But the devil, who is real, by the way, He wants to keep coming back and giving us shame. He wants to remind us of our sins. And now I just did, so (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But I want to make the point 
forgiven. It's canceled. Your sin, your debt is canceled because of what Jesus Christ did. In Galatians, can anybody give me an amen on that one? All right. We believe this. Galatians 3, 26, it says, for you, for you are all children of God through what? Through baptism? Through your good works? Through what? Through faith. See, this is what blows our minds. We can't accept this because it just seems too easy, doesn't it? Oh, you mean so all I have to do is believe and then I'll be saved? Yeah, pretty much. It's true. I mean, obviously, you have to actually believe it. You can't be like, oh, yeah, I believe that. Cross my fingers. It's like you actually have to believe it, that the message of the cross, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that is the truth. And when you receive that and you believe it for real, it says you will be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Remember, that's the center of who we are, our heart. If we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We can receive his forgiveness. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in what? In baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one. In Christ Jesus. Going back here, it says if we've been united with Christ in baptism, you've put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's kind of a non-negotiable. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not something that will save you, just like your good works won't save you. But it's, it's so evident that baptism is a significant part of our walk with the Lord, and of our faith. Baptism is identifying with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when should I be baptized? When? Anybody know? When you become a Christian. You know, there's this big debate kind of going around, oh, I don't know if if they're really ready, I don't know if they really understand, and I don't know if they've been a Christian long enough. In the the New Testament, they got saved and baptized. Bam! There wasn't like this waiting period. There wasn't like this time where we're going to just test and see if it's your, your release. If they came to Christ, they were baptized. Period. And so, and and I think a lot of parents, and, and I'm not trying to get down on you, but I think for those of you who are a little too cautious, you're like, oh, I don't know if my child really understands it. I'm not really sure they're ready. You know what? God is able to convince them at some point in their life if that baptism wasn't legit. God is able to restore them. And so for those of you who, you you may have been baptized just simply because your parents made you or somebody made you. Maybe when you were eight years old, you got baptized and you didn't really believe it or you didn't really think about it. Today, you can be baptized at the end of this message or if you can come back at the end of second service if you'd rather do that and we can baptize you because God is able. It's, it's 
something that you just do as an act of faith. It's like believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. It's kind of like that. Does that make sense? Um, Matthew 28, 19, it says, or 18, it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, remember anytime there's a therefore, you want to know what it's there for. It says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say make make believers or converts. It says disciples. This means people that are born again and changed forever to walk with the Lord and to do the will and the work of God. It says baptizing them. It doesn't say, well, you should probably take like a six-month period and make sure that their faith is really real. It doesn't say that. And I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> so <laughs> I just usually always do the southern one. So I just thought, no, I'm not doing the southern one today. So it says baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is, a, this is the Trinity. Okay, so the Trinity is not in the Bible. It doesn't say the word Trinity. The concept of the Trinity is throughout the Bible. Maybe sometime we'll do a teaching on that too. But this is Trinitarian right here. It's you baptize him in the name of one God. Throughout the Old Testament, it says there is one God, only one. One God. None of us are going to become gods. Just so you know. The Bible says, shucks. <laughs> Jason's all bummed. He wants his money back. Only one God. But here it's saying, baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's three. I mean, I'm not good at math, but that's three. But this is talking about the Trinity. One God and baptize in the name of the Father who manifests himself as the, the heavenly Father in the heavenly realms. Jesus Christ who came to earth as a human being and lived a sinless life. And the Holy Spirit which is who Jesus sent to be with us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to lead us into all truth. That is where you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, the whole counsel of God. And behold, such a good promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, since my husband died a year and a half ago, this verse has been such a good reminder for me. I'm with you always. Remember that song we used to sing? I am not alone. I am not alone. If you're going through a hard time, remember this. He is with you. He doesn't throw us to the wolves. He doesn't send us out and go, just figure it out yourself, you loser. That is not the heart of God. But I, don't you think we kind of have that idea? Like he just thinks that, oh, you got yourself into that one. I'm sorry, Joker. Get out of it yourself. I'm over here being holy and judgmental. That is not who God is. He's the judge, 
and he's just, but he's not judgmental. Okay? I just think it, we cannot wrap our, our brains around his grace. It's just too easy. It is by grace you've been saved through baptism, through your good works, through tithing, through not swearing anymore. No, it is by grace you've been saved through and that not of your own works, lest any man boast. It says, I am with you always till the end of the age. What is the end of the age? That is his glorious return. The king is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And I heard the most disturbing story yesterday, or Friday, like it matters. It matters. I heard it Friday, not yesterday. I don't know why I had to mention that, but I did. And so anyway, I heard this story about this guy who he claimed to be a Christian and he died in his girlfriend's bed, even though he was married to someone else. Now, it has to cause us to pause and think. What is it that we're doing that if Jesus came back, we would be like, oh man, that was a bad idea. I, I just think that is such a sobering thought, like, Everything we do, you have to know he is coming like a thief in the night. He's not going to give us this big warning. He's going to come like a thief in the night. And what is it that we're doing? Are we going to stand before him and go, yes, Lord. Are we going to go, I'm sorry. Okay. That was another little random aside. But Acts 2.38, Peter said, each of you must repent, which, what does repent mean? Change your mind. Turn and go the other direction. So you think this way? Nope. Jesus says to think this way. We think, oh, I need to claw my way to the top and work my way. No, Jesus says the greatest among you is the servant of all. Jesus says that if you Humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you'll be humble. Turning your mind around, changing the way that you think, and, and believing that what God says is right and what we believe is wrong. It says, let God be true and everyone a liar. And that doesn't mean that God wants us to be liars, clearly. It's just saying our natural bent is not to think the way God thinks. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways than our ways. Isaiah 55. I probably, I probably remind you guys of that one at least once a month because it's so important for us to go back to that and remember that we don't think like him. But it says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices. And it says that then... We will have the mind of Christ. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to think like God thinks. And it says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Yes. Don't you want all God has to offer you? Don't you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? 
to overflowing, to be a stream of living water, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't, this doesn't save you. It doesn't say that when you're baptized, you're going to be saved. It says you repent and, of your sins and turn to God. That is when you get saved. You repent of your sins, you turn to God, receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and then you're baptized. No waiting period, no period of testing, no period where someone can go, no, I don't think you can do this. It's repent, be baptized. It says then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So another debate in the body of Christ. What about infant baptism? Or more significantly in this area, what about if you're baptized into the LDS church at the age of eight? Kind of mandatorily. What about that? Is that legit? You know, I grew up in a church where they baptized infants. But it's hard for me to read this in Acts 2 where it says, Repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized. Because I'll tell I don't know about you, but when I was an infant, I didn't repent of anything. <laughs> I was just taking, 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 wanted my way. <laughs> I mean, isn't life just a, a series of events to teach us that we're selfish and to learn to lose our lives? But as infants, we cannot repent of our sins. And really, um, you kind of have to wonder, and, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that infants aren't born in sin. They're not, everyone is born with a sin nature. The Bible makes a clear case for that. Everyone has a sin nature. Babies are not born good, okay? I know they're cute, and that's the only reason we keep them, because if they were ugly, you think about it. You'd be like, you are a stinking tyrant. <laughs> You're demanding. All you do is poop and eat and cry and wake me up. And, and, and so babies are born in sin, but they don't, they're, they're, they don't sin. Does that make sense? Do you understand the distinction? Is that clear? Should I go on with that? Okay, I'm done. Um, so therefore, we don't do infant baptisms because we believe that you need to repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And so we do baby dedications, which means that it's, it's really more dedicating the parents to training up a child in the way that they should go. It's really not about the baby because ultimately that person, that individual is going to make their own choices. And I want to say this right now unequivocally, for those of you who have adult children who are walking away from the Lord, please do not continue to beat yourself up. Okay? They are making their own choices, okay? And I do believe that a miracle can happen. I do believe God is a God of miracles, and I do believe in the power of praying the word of God. But please do not be so hard on yourself. If there are things that the Holy Spirit shows you you need to repent for, then repent for them, but receive God's grace by faith. Receive the grace of God. So Acts 8. Philip told him, he's talking about this eunuch. He sees this eunuch along the road, and he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip goes, well, because you haven't been a Christian long enough. And so 
No. It says Philip ordered the carriage to stop, and he went down to the water, and Philip, <clears throat> excuse me, Philip baptized him. Boom, there. Now, how was he really sure the eunuch was a Christian? Well, he, he wasn't, but based on what he saw, he thought he was, and he trusted God that if the eunuch wasn't really a believer and, and he wasn't a Christian, really, what have you got to lose by getting baptized? I mean, obviously, we don't want to treat it lightly because it is an extremely symbolic and significant thing, but Philip baptized him. And so again, parents, if, you, if you're afraid that maybe your kids don't understand or they don't, they don't, they're not really legit, I mean, of course, you need to make your own decisions between you and the Lord, but I, I would probably want to encourage you to lean much more toward let them be baptized. Who knows what can happen? So where can I be baptized? Right here, right now. <laughs> Eric Nelson, he's talking back there. Eric, could you, can you guys look back there? If, if you want to be baptized, Eric has a bunch of towels back there and a change of clothing, which you don't really need in Utah because you'll go outside and dry off in five minutes anyway. But if you're uncomfortable or you have something really... Um, if, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you throughout this message and this teaching, I just encourage you, go back and talk to Eric and... And we're going to do a baptism. If not, if you've all been baptized and you're all good, then hallelujah. But you need to bring somebody here that needs to hear the message of the gospel. I want to encourage you to do that. There are so many people that are lost and broken and dying and, and, and unforgiven. They're living a life of, of shame and unforgiveness. And Jesus wants to offer it freely as a gift. So my story, as I mentioned before, I was baptized as an infant. And then I became a Christian. And I think the Lord started kind of working in my heart to kind of encourage me that I should be baptized. But I had a lot of pride. And so I was kind of like, I was already baptized. So I, I wasn't, I didn't get baptized until after I had led Eric to Christ. Eric is was my husband, after I led him to Christ and watched his excitement about being baptized, he just heard the message and he wanted to get baptized right away. And it was so convicting to me. And so we got baptized in a swimming pool, 1837 Tioga Way in San Jose. We got baptized. Ira was there. Yeah, it was, it was a powerful and significant thing in my life. And it was something... Just a switch happened for me. Something changed in me when I got baptized. So if you've been a Christian for a lot of years and you're thinking, I don't want to be baptized because that's so embarrassing. I should have already done this. Don't let pride hinder you. Don't let pride stop you. Jesus' baptism, even Jesus, the King of all kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of the armies, the God of all gods, even Jesus thought it was necessary for him to be baptized. It says as soon as Jesus was baptized. Does anybody know who baptized him? John the Baptist, obviously. <laughs> That's his title. John the Baptist baptized him, and it says, and he went up out of the water, and suddenly the heavens were opened. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice, yeah, that was the noise. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Ooh, I got the holy goosebumps. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you think that God wasn't pleased with Jesus before he got baptized? Of course he was. But when Jesus was baptized, God's like, oh, that's my boy. I love him. So happy about him. That's what he wants to do for us. He wants to identify that we belong to him. We are his children. He loves us. If you are struggling right now with that lie, that he doesn't love you, I just tell you it is a lie from the pit of hell. He loves you so much. So, so much that he gave his boy that he loved for you so that you could be reunited with your maker. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus wants us to follow in his example, not to earn God's love. You already have God's love but to earn the freedom and the forgiveness and that sense of new life, that switch that can happen in your brain like it happened for me. Again, so, so if you are interested in being baptized, you like I said, if you're too embarrassed today, that's fine. We are going to have a, a baptism at the end of second service. If you want some time to think about it, but I, but I want to encourage you to do it. Just do it. It is so important. It is so, so important. And we, like I said, we have towels and extra T-shirts if you want. And we even have a hair and makeup artist here. I'm sure, I'm sure Tim would be willing to fix you up your makeup if you're afraid that, you know. <laughs> right? Am I right? <laughs> He's a professional. But anyway, I just want to say, it, you know, you're, you're, I, I never, ever, ever want people to feel in any way condemned or belittled or, or um, you know, just put down in any way. But I just want to let you know that God wants to do something significant in you and in your life through being buried and resurrected with Jesus. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, you're good. Mm. Lord, I'm just again reminded of your message that you love us with an undying unending, everlasting, perfect love. 
So much so, Lord, you sent your only son. God, we bless you and we thank you. I thank you so much for the symbolism and also the significance of baptism. Lord, I pray that if there are those here who for whatever reason haven't been baptized and, and uh, are resisting, I pray, Lord, you'd speak truth to them. Not that they have to do it today, but God, at some point, impress it upon their hearts, Lord, how important it is and how you want to do that new thing in each and every one. Thank you, Lord, that water is such a significant thing symbolizes so much of who you are and what what you do and how you function in our lives. Just want to give this opportunity if everybody could just uh, continue in an attitude of prayer. If you have never accepted the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross, I just ask that you just slip up your hand just between you and the Lord and just say, I want to be forgiven. To be born again. I want to be born of the Holy Spirit of God. Is there anybody here? Okay, well, Lord, I pray that for the rest of us, God, we would be burdened for the lost. Lord, we would begin to invite those who are lost. God, we would begin to bring people here who don't know you so that they can receive the abundant life that you promise. Work in our hearts, God. Convict us, Lord. Change us. Make us new. And bless us. Because that's who you are. In the name of Jesus. Amen.